You are listening to motivational quotes and inspirational life stories from real life people just like you. I'm your host, Victoria Johnson. You can learn more about me and my number one best-selling book at victoriajohnson.org. It's time to share our experiences and motivate and inspire you. So let's get started. Hello, wonderful podcast listeners, and welcome back to yet another episode. You are going to just love this podcast. I know that I am already smiling from ear to ear. This lady is from the USA originally, but is now living in Colombia. She is a mentor, an international educator, an entrepreneur. She's a mom, an author, an artist, and I can tell you that she's got so many amazing things to share with us. She is one of those people who will fiercely defend space for you. She will help you to find your own creative answers and to cultivate within you your capacity to inhabit this place of power and strength. And, you know, she also helps you get in touch with that gentleness and tenderness and kindness and wisdom that is in all of us. She is an accomplished reader and has so much to share with us about that as well. Please welcome to the show, Sierra. Hi, Victoria. Hello, everyone. Thanks so much. Oh, thank you for being here, Sierra. And uh, I just don't even know where to start because there's so (laughs) much, so much greatness in here. But you know, maybe we could start with this. Can you tell me about your book? Yes, please. I'd love to. For anyone who has written a book, dreamt of writing a book, having a book is like having a child. Um, Amen to that. (laughs) It's, uh, it is all things, um, all things beautiful and all, all things heartbreaking. It is like a triumph of effort if you can make the thing come to life. And my book is is the first of several, you know, you can sort of feel them in there. This is the first that I've gotten to manuscript form and it's called Date Yourself. And mm-hmm. It is the culmination of a lot of the work that I do with individual women and women who join my women's circle around this idea of developing a relationship with ourselves. And that sounds maybe a little bit... um, Amazing. It sounds amazing. (laughs) Let me just stop you right there. (laughs) So, So that's it, especially as women relating to ourselves as someone important in our lives and and turning some of the magnificent love and attention and inspiration that we shower on those around us, turning some of that onto ourselves. That makes so much sense. And I think that so often we will be uh, making sure that everyone else is taken care of and showering that on everyone else, but not taking the time to, as you say, date yourself or to really pay attention to yourself. And I want to let people know that your website is integral-women.com. I'm going to spell that. I-N-T-E-G-R-A-L-Women, W-O-M-E-N.com. And there is some uh, great information in there on what it is that you do. Uh, Your book, Date Yourself, is that available on Amazon? It is not yet. I've been learning about the publishing industry and I've had, I've I've considered a couple different paths right now. I'm querying agents Mm -hmm. and hoping to get a more traditional publishing deal. Oh, Um, great. Great. That's that's what I'm learning about. So people will need to, uh, (laughs) yes. And it is a big process. I can attest for that. It is available for pre-order. I ran a pre-order campaign a few months ago and it's still available for pre-order with some special offers on my website. Um, Excellent. But it is not available for purchase quite yet. Well, that makes it even more exciting. So <laughs> integral-women.com. Yeah. Uh, I, so I want to ask you, um, how did you end up in Colombia? Oh, it is a long story. I hope to turn that into a book again. 
someday. It involves well, how about the Cliff well, Notes version? The Cliff Notes is I fell in love. I battered myself up against love a number of times, tried to make it work here. It didn't. In the meantime, this is actually one of the things that relate to your topics, I think. What we think are struggles or failures turn out to be gifts from every romantic relationship I've ever had, I have gained something. And from this failed relationship, I gained a country and a language after coming to visit a number of times. I eventually got a teaching job here completely separately from the romantic relationship, which was already over. And I taught here for five years and thought I was leaving I found out I was pregnant, decided to stay, and I've been here for 10 years. Oh, wonderful. (laughs) Well, and knowing a little bit about your story, you um, had some challenges early early years of school and to turn that around to become a teacher and a very aware teacher. Can you tell us more about that? Absolutely. So when I was younger... I was never officially diagnosed with dyslexia, but I couldn't just, I couldn't quite grasp the written word. I could speak, I could carry on conversations. I was bright in every other regard, but when it came to decoding the written word, I was, it was totally beyond me and, and I was very perfectionist. So if I wasn't good at something, I avoided it, which, Mm -hmm. and I was also, I was very good at avoiding things. So um, I used my strengths and hid my weaknesses, which led to really not being able to read almost at all until I was a in the eighth grade or so, I could fake it, mm-hmm. just how I got to the eighth grade, but I really couldn't read smoothly. I couldn't read words with more than a couple of letters in them. As I said in, earlier to you, I don't associate with that struggle really at all anymore because I overcame it. And like with all struggles that I've had, I find the gems in them. And so I distinctly remember learning through all of that struggle. And it helped me as a teacher later on in life. And so some of those gems, you know, those things that we pick up along the way, I know one of them that you mentioned to me is that failure is a step in the right direction. And it means that you are trying and hoping and learning. I can imagine as a child having this adaptability to be able to hide what it is that you know that you're struggling, Mm -hmm. but yet on the outside have it seem to people that you're not. And did it feel at times like you were juggling two different people? It was hard to keep track of myself for sure, but I preferred the illusion. Mm -hmm. Um, And so it was almost like I didn't want anyone else to notice the other or the maybe more authentic. I didn't want anyone to notice her. So I didn't notice her, if that makes any sense. Yeah. And you've shared with me that you are a big fan of Brene Brown. Totally. And uh, as as am I, and (laughs) as are many of the listeners. And so... When you're telling me that, you know, first of all, it breaks my heart that you went through that alone, but it makes me so happy that you have overcome it and have been able to find the little gems to use in your teaching and to use now in your coaching and with helping other people. But that must have been such a vulnerable place for you. And I know that, you know, Brene Brown writes and talks a lot about Mm -hmm. vulnerability and courage. And uh, I congratulate you for finding your way through that. And I know that there's people listening who are at that place where they're finding their way through whatever their struggle would be. Yes. And they are feeling like they're two different people and they're juggling and they're not sure exactly, you know, who they are at what time or feeling a bit like a fraud. Do you have some advice to help them through that? Various pieces and from different angles. I think this part of life is 
a natural part of growing. And, and while I no longer feel dyslexic, I still have things that I feel exactly the same way about. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm preparing myself to pitch my book to agents where, you know, it's one out of maybe a thousand is even going to reply to my email. And I know that. And so there's different kinds of struggle and we're each in different places. But the book that I've written, Date Yourself, offers a lot of suggestions about making space for this person that even we don't want to have space for. Because really, you're the only person who can make space for that person, the vulnerable person, the the person that is afraid. And the way that we would never punish a child or shame a child who was struggling, we treat ourselves so much worse and tell a story. We constantly create a narrative for ourselves where, where we're not good enough and we amplify our struggle instead of making space for it as part of living life, as part of growing. And that the alternative to growing through that struggle and feeling that vulnerability and moving through it is is just trying to feel safe but staying stuck. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that's not that's that's a place where you know living becomes very uncomfortable. And I know that you've moved through that on so many things, but as you said, it doesn't mean that they're away forever. They just come back with a different name. And it sounds like now you have some really great coping strategies for dealing with it and not having to abandon your true self. Well, so Last night I was rereading something by Clarissa Pinkola Estes. And if you don't know who she is or your readers don't know who she is, she's among my favorite voices ever. And she is a Jungian psychologist. She is a mythologist. She wrote Women Who Run With Wolves, mm-hmm. which is a pretty famous book. And she talks in various pieces that she's done about the life, death, life cycle and that things come and they go, but they come again. And then they go again. And (laughs) I hear from so many people, including myself, this false story that we think if when I get to this place, then I'll be as if we are on a, a flat or, you know, straight line and that there is a destination where then everything will be and usually glowing and beautiful and perfect. And no one ever gets there because there is no such place. And so this vision of it being, you know, life, death, life, or abundant, scarce, abundant, you know, in it, joyous, struggling, in it, joyous, struggling, cyclical nature of things for me really helps when I'm struggling to recognize that it is a phase in a larger cycle of things. Yes. Same thing. When I'm joyous and jubilant and, you know, when I get the publishing deal, I'm going to be so excited, but I'm also aware that that's not the end and that three days later, I'm going to have a hard day. And so it it gives context for everything. And then when the day comes and I can like, oh, and it's just a hard day or a month or a year in this longer cycle of things. That's right. And in every one of those situations, you know, you're okay and you're safe and you're protected and you're doing the right thing at the right time. I truly believe in all of those things as well. And I think it's such a good point. And I'm so glad that you pointed that out to the listeners to remember that on this cycle through life, there's many ups and downs. And the thing is, is that as long as we know who we are and we are truly grounded in loving ourselves, then our emotions don't rule our lives. You know, our emotions are something that we can enjoy and feel as they come up. 
And, you know, even sorrow is an emotion that, you know, is very useful to us. Absolutely. And the harder we try to resist something, the harder that thing pushes back. Mm-hmm. So if we what can, we resist persists. Absolutely. Right? If we can open our arms and say, okay, I got my seatbelt on, let's do this. Then <laughs> yes. like, we can ride it. And it's easier to say than it is to practice. But I always come back with my with my clients and my friends, that story of wanting it to be, if as soon as I get, then I will be da-da-da. Mm-hmm. that's a really boring story. Right. And if I got, if I were living that story and I got to the place that I keep wanting to be and there was nothing else that I wanted after that, that would be a horrible place. Exactly. I don't want to live in that life where I don't have something that I want to learn or get better at, which means something that I need to suck at for a while. Mm-hmm. And so just that constant reminder to shift the story makes the, the struggle still hard but more bearable and sometimes even fun. It is not, I still hate being bad at stuff. Mm -hmm. I don't want to give this false impression that I'm like, oh, yay, let's go fail. Um, (laughs) But in a context of here's like, I want to get better at something. I recognize that I have to not be good at it on the first day. Yes. Yeah. You know, and I just love that you have overcome such adversity and can come forward and say, you know, hey, failure is a thing. It doesn't <laughs> doesn't define me, right? It means I'm trying. It means I'm learning. And it's okay, you know, to go from being dyslexic and learning to read it at an older age to now, I understand that you have a project where you do a annual book review based on the books that you've read throughout the year. This sounds really incredible to me because, you know, a lot of people, if we're going to do a book review on what we have read throughout the year, it would be three books. Um, <laughs> but I understand that is not the nature in your situation. So tell us more, please. Okay. So there's a couple of reasons behind this. I have a master's degree in education and I worked as a high school teacher for years and I love learning. Mm-hmm. But eventually I started to wonder about education and the difference, the distinction between learning and education. I, so many teachers have all the best of intentions. But there was a point where I was like, I want to learn more. Even in my job, I want to learn more. And then when I left my teaching job, I want to learn more. Should I go get a a higher degree? Should I go study these things? What do I want to know? What do I want to learn? And I realized I don't need to enroll in a university or pursue a master's degree. I can sit in a library. I can, from Columbia, I can download Audible book and read while walking. I can learn anything and everything that I want to know. And so I actually made a conscious decision not to go back to grad school, but I gave Mm -hmm. myself a sort of a continuing education budget. It's like, I can spend $3,000 this year to learn whatever I want to learn. And so that keeps me in books that allows for me to attend a conference or take an online class and... And because I've given myself free reign to really just pursue my curiosity in anything, I, I've read more than 50 books a year for the last three years. And it's, you know, you read one book that leads to three other books. And then that, those three books lead to three, you know, more concepts and thought leaders and topics that you never knew, even knew you needed to study, which is why right. I was like, I don't need to go to grad school. Um, I want to read all these books and see what they have to say. I love what you said about having a, like a personal development learning budget. That's Mm -hmm. such a great idea. It takes, you know, so much of the pressure and decision-making away from things. It's just like, this is the money I have set aside for this. And, you know, I'm going to use it throughout the year. I love that concept. I'm highly encouraging. And now I have to spend it. It's, you know, 
It's, yeah. it's not, yes, it's not yes I absolutely have to. It's that. wonderful. It's, so when you do these book reviews, then where do you post them at? Like, how can people find them? So I've done them for the last two years in a row and I post them just as blogs on my website. And then I realized, oh my goodness, 2019 is almost over. Let me catch up. And so I'm almost finished with 2019 list. And I've recently, I am a late adopter. I've recently gotten onto Twitter. Okay. Um, and I'm starting to tweet a book review at a time. And so I'll probably over the next couple of, I don't know, 45 days, put a tweet per day uh, about something that I've read. So quick, easy. And sounds great. That all sounds great. Audible. Let me just so, tell yeah. people that, oh, sorry, I didn't mean to no, interrupt you. No, no. I'm a huge fan of Audible because mm-hmm. it allows for me to read while I'm doing the dishes and read while I'm walking and read while I'm you know, folding yes. laundry and doing all of the other things where... Uh, I agree. You know, it's we have to make reading fun for us and make it something yeah. that we can do and fit into our schedule. I'm so on Twitter, your your account is uh, twitter.com forward slash women integral. So W-O-M-E-N-I-N-T-E-G-R-A-L. And if you do want to get a hold of Sierra for more information, you can also email her at the integral woman at gmail.com. And the website is integral. I-N-T-E-G-R-A-L dash W-O-M-E-N dot com. I love that you are doing all of this reading and reviewing these books and that you have just got so many great things going on when people check out your website. They'll also see that what you do is you hold, uh, you have a women's circle that you are involved with. Uh, Do you have a few minutes to tell us about that? I would love to tell you about that. It is my heart song. (laughs) Ah, let's hear it. So... As a foreigner living in a Spanish-speaking country, it can be a bit isolating. But I recognize that actually being anywhere human on the planet can be isolating for various reasons. About three or four years ago now, almost four years ago, while living in Medellin, I, about the same time I realized that I wanted to study and learn more, I discovered this need within myself to deepen the nature of conversations I was having with other women. And I sought out a women's circle. I could not find one in my language, so I formed one and have been hosting a women's circle once a week or multiple times a week, depending on the nature of the circle, for almost four years now. And And so you meet in person with these people? I do both. I have a weekly in-person circle here in Medellin. There's a group of of English speakers who get together on a regular basis. And it is phenomenal. But the nature of this city also, people come for a while, but aren't Mm -hmm. maybe permanent residents. And so a couple of times a year, I also host a virtual circle, whether it's women who have been in circle with me in person, and they are now in other countries or other women who just joined because they're looking for this kind of space. And And so what's the benefit to the person that is in the circle? The intention of the space underlying everything else is that she, each woman, gets an hour a week to reconnect with herself. Mm-hmm. This is really about her primary, I call primary relationship, is because no matter how many relationships we have with other people, romantic and professional and everything, the one person we are most accountable to, to spend the most time with is ourselves. And 
that relationship, as we mentioned earlier, is usually the one that gets the least attention. Maybe we have a minute for ourselves after we've taken care of everybody else. But it's this intimate conversation with ourselves in the presence of other women where we, we get to truly reconnect And the things that come out of that space, I don't even have words for. It sounds absolutely magical. So, you know, if there, if there's, if there's someone who is wanting to go to uh, that type of circle that and be there in person, you know, definitely check online and see if that's something that you can find that you would be able to take advantage of in person. But if you are looking for something online, it sounds like getting involved with these kind of semi-annual events with you would be great at your website. Integralwoman.com would probably have more information or they can email it you. Does. It certainly yes. does. Yeah. So with this really connecting with ourselves, I, I would like to just end today with maybe a tip that you have that somebody can use like right now today to really start to develop a stronger connection with themselves? It can be, I have two ideas and I'm going to share them both with your permission. Sure. It can be as simple as taking a breath, an intentional breath. Mm-hmm. Um, we breathe all the time, but we don't pay attention. And so this idea of just pausing for a whole breath. <sighs> go wild and have three breaths in a row if you really are up for it. Oh, that felt good. Doesn't it? You can feel the difference. We feel like, oh, it's just a breath. It's no big deal. It feels good. Mm-hmm. That's the beginning because we can't hear. We, ha- we all have an inner voice, but we can't hear it when everything else is happening and we're running around so fast. But in a single breath, you're creating a tiny bit of space and an opening to feel whatever you need to feel. It could mm-hmm. be sorrow. It could be anger. It could be just relaxed. But a single breath is the first step. And I love the smallest thing that you can do for yourself. I call micro shift. So much of the advice we hear in the world is, you know, grand gestures and big things. And, and those are really hard. And so I'm the champion of what is the smallest thing that you can do. And so a single breath for me is, is one. Okay. Um, and you can do them multiple times a day if you want to go crazy. <laughs> the second Exercise is something that I share with my clients sometimes to begin a conversation with yourself. If you want to ask yourself something or initiate this dialogue within yourself, write on a piece of paper, any question or just like, hello, it's nice to be in touch with you with your dominant hand and then put the pen in the other hand, your Mm non-dominant hand and then write. So if you have a question for yourself for your inner child or for a part of you that's struggling, really any part of yourself, you can start a dialogue. And because it's using your non-dominant hand, it accesses a totally different part of your brain, which then accesses a whole different part of your psyche. And you can have really, sometimes really quite powerful exchanges with yourself simply by writing with your non-dominant hand and starting a dialogue. So, I love that exercise. I learned uh, with, I did some Heal Your Life training, uh, yes. well, many times with Louise Hay <laughs> and uh, absolutely love that exercise. And it's so surprising what comes out. Oh my goodness. Even, yes. you know, just using that non-dominant hand as well to draw a picture of yourself as a child, you know, doing yes. something that you remember doing mm-hmm. and the emotions that it brings up. I love it. It's great. That's great advice. Thank you so much for sharing that. My pleasure. So we did talk about some of your favorite authors. You've already mentioned uh, Samantha. What's her full name? 
Samantha Irby. Mm-hmm. She, the first book she read, she wrote that I read is called We're Never Meeting in Real Life. And it has a picture of a wet kitten hissing on the cover. <laughs> and it just, it is a series of essays and they have so much snark and sass and intelligence and aching and truth in them that I immediately fell in love with her writing. She has a number of books out. Renee Brown, obviously, Clarissa mm-hmm. Pinkola Estes. I worship and reread everything that she's written almost annually because it has so much in it that I can't, can't get it all in just one read. Um, well, you have given just so mm-hmm. much uh, meat and potatoes for that, for lack of a better expression, you know, so much depth to our listeners, to what it is that they can do. And I love that, that, you know, you're really bringing value to them saying, you know, these are the books that I'm recommending. These are, are these are the authors that I'm recommending. These are the things that you can do. Remember to breathe, mm-hmm. you know, ask a question, answer with your non-dominant hand. These are things that you can do today right away. And listeners, I really encourage you to put them to use while they're fresh in your mind and to see the results of just these simple steps. And I do love to end each podcast with a quote, begin or end them with a quote. And today we're going to end. This one is actually from a book called Trust Life. And it is a Louise Hay quote. I trust that life wants the best for me. Trust is what we learn when we want to overcome our fears. It's called taking the leap of faith. Trust in the power within that is connected to the universal intelligence. Remember the power that supplies your breath is the same power that created the universe. You are one with all of life. The more you love yourself and trust life, the more life is here to love you, support you, and guide you. You can trust in that which is invisible instead of trusting only in the physical material world. I'm not saying that we do nothing, yet if we have trust, we can go through life much easier. We need to trust that we are being taken care of, even though we're physically not in control of everything that is happening around us. Oh, I love that. You know, what's interesting is I had picked that out before you and I had talked and how appropriate it was for this conversation. That's always how it is, right? Universal synchronicity. (laughs) Oh, I love it. I love it. It's great to be in the flow and it was great to have you on the show. Uh, Thank you so So much much. again for being here. And I want to just say your website one more time, Integral Women, or sorry, Integral-Women.com. And do check out Twitter as well, twitter.com forward slash women integral. And uh, you do have a Facebook page as well. So facebook.com forward slash Integral Woman Mentoring. And trust me, it is worth checking this all out. And thanks again for being on the show. My pleasure. Thank you so much for your time. It's great to talk to you. I really appreciate it. Thank you to you as well. Thank you for joining us today. It is my true desire that you have been inspired and felt a sense of connection with the words being shared. If you have an inspirational story to share on how you have overcome adversity and created an exceptional life, please visit my website, victoriajohnson.org. Thank you for joining us and we'll see you again next time.